G'day listeners, you're probably thinking, that's not David or Tim's voice, and you'd be right. My name is Lucas Day, and after drinking and chatting to the lads for the episode titled, Creating is a Matter of Passion, Not Time, the time has come for me to release my new single, End of the Day. Head to your favourite music streaming service and search Lucas Day, or go to lucasdaymusic.com for more info. Enjoy the episode. Hello listeners, if you are listening to episodes in order, you will know that our last episode was about Muppets and Monkeys, and in today's episode, we will work out which American presidential candidate is a Muppet and which one is a monkey. Joined by David Olney. How are you, David? Very well. Endeavouring to be right in the middle, not Muppet, not Monkey, mm. and uh, not a US presidential candidate. Makes Thank it. goodness. <laughs> I think we'd all be a little bit better off if you were, though. Yeah, I'd, well, it would probably be better for the world, but would it be better for me four years mm, of that shit? No, no, no. No, mm. not at all. Uh, you know, maybe that's, maybe, you know, we've, we've mentioned that before on the podcast that the very people that decide that they want to do it, the very people that probably wouldn't want. That's right. And, you know, it's a scary time for us non-monkeys, non-muppets, non-mumpets, because it doesn't seem like we have anyone on our side, right, if both of them no. <laughs> are either monkeys or mupps. It's all looking pretty bad. Mm. So what do we want to work out first? Who's what? Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'll, I'll do a bit of conjecture first. I, I believe yep. that... I believe that Donald Trump is the monkey and that Joe Biden is the Muppet. I agree completely. Okay. Being that Trump is entirely unpredictable and seems to be driven by emotion, I guess. Yep. And can change in a heartbeat because it's always real in the moment. Mm. And that's the point for someone running on emotion. Mm-hmm. It's always real. It feels real, so it must be real. And the next thing feels real. Yes. And if you go with the feeling then why would you reflect on the discontinuity between minutes, hours, or days? And the feelings tend to... The feelings alone tend to make you think about things about just yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, you can have shared emotions like grand finals. Mm. Everyone who's happy, everyone who's sad. Mm -hmm. But that's still secondhand emotion. And, I don't know, maybe for sports fans, it feels as big as individual emotion. But for me, at least excluding I think probably my wedding day where everyone was so happy that's the only day where I think I could ever say I felt group emotion as strong as individual emotion mm-hmm. yeah other than that to my mind group emotion is always a substitute for not really enough emotional dynamic in normal life that's interesting like if you have to have sport on the weekend it makes me question what what emotional bit was there in the week mm. how rewarding were the emotions of normal life mm. Mm. if you need the thrill of watching someone else kick a ball well, that's a whole other question. We digress, <laughs> but I hope it's a useful digression. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's something for thing to, to think about, and I'd like to revisit that at some point. So um, let's watch Trump chasing a Big Mac on a remote control car around the White House. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it on sports bet. Because yeah, that could be a combination of sports and emotion. <laughs> I want my Mac. And I've got 20 bucks on him getting it before three minute mark. Um, I've actually got him yelling at a secret service agent to shoot the remote <laughs> control vehicle and then nice. having a full meltdown when the burger gets shot and goes all over the wall. Yeah. <laughs> There's imagery. 
Secret Service pulling out the 9 mil of 40 cal and dropping a burger. And let's face it, it's not even inconsistent with what we might have thought in the last four years anyway. Nah, really? Is it that far? Is it that big a stretch? <laughs> not really. So that leaves Sleepy Joe, Joe Biden, as the as the Muppet, doesn't yep. it? Being pulled, and, you know, his strings being pulled, I guess. And once again, it it's not necessarily a statement about who he wants to be all the time, mm. but he is the chosen one of a party that, despite having a progressive label, hasn't managed to do anything progressive for who knows how long. You know, everyone goes, oh, it was so amazing. Obama is president. No, it wasn't. Mm. He ticked all the boxes of being acceptable to the system. Right. And do people often think about the fact that he uh, like killed more people by aerial drone than anyone in history? Like? No, well, that is a new category, we have to say. <laughs> but it's still not very progressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's only progressive in as much as it meant that, you know, less boots on the ground. That was progressive. Sure. Yeah. But not progressive in any meaningful way. Right. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like, you know, the... the the, the party may have that progressive tagline, but are certainly not. Mm. Institutionally, it's dogmatic. Yeah, that's it's right. It's bound by ideology. You are only allowed closer to the inner circle by showing absolute conformity. Mm. So it just it shows that these labels of you know left and right are really imprecise. And what well, raises a really fascinating question too, mm. in that the Democrats have not broken from Muppetdom. Mm from getting closer to the centre and being allowed to be the candidate means you are totally acceptable, on script with the ideology, on script with the dogma, on script to behave in a way acceptable to the party. Mm. Whereas the Republicans have, the the Muppetdom got so bad, the strings are caught around each other mm. and the Muppet can't move. And so it was prime time for someone to come in and just, you know, be a monkey. use the, the remains of the Muppet hanging from the twisted strings as a punching bag. Mm. And go, look, look, I'm saving America from, you know, the system. Look, I'm draining the swamp. Mm. Well, no, he's just having a tantrum with a party that is essentially hanging limply, wrapped around in its own strings. Mm. Totally incompetent. So, you know, listeners, it'll be a little while before you hear this, but this morning there was a clip on the BBC News of Mitch McConnell, the senior Republican, I don't even know what house, I refuse to know this stuff because it's all horrible. And he was making the point, well, so much of what we've done over the last four years will be overturned, but our choice of a new justice for the Supreme Court will last for decades. Mm. So he's so dogmatic, all he really cares about is his narrowly defined worldview of a hyper-conservative, yucky America will go on for decades. Fantastic. And that's not to say that she's not going to be a great justice in all sorts of important ways of following the Constitution. Mm. But she's also a person who's been hired for being hyper-conservative. Right, yeah. Yep. So this idea of, well, wouldn't we put reasonable people in the middle on the Supreme Court bench to be most representative of more Americans as possible? Mm. Well, why the shit would we do something sensible like that? Mm. Mm. Let's just push it to the outer limits and make it so that even the judiciary seems like it's being compromised. But is it even then, you know, by the time you work your way through all those ranks, are you even being representative of the most of America anyway? Would no. the middle between the Democrats and the Republicans even be representative yeah. of most Americans? Is it representative of anything that's been institutionalised? Yeah. I would argue that the only thing in the middle is representative of is the public service who actually make the machine work. Right, absolutely. The people who don't get a say but make everything work. 
Sure. And that's my experience of interacting with people in public service all over the world. They are the people in the middle who care deeply but are not bent in a particular political direction to the extent where they want to be part of the political system. They just want to make the world work. Right, and so they need to be given the tools to do that by the policymakers and therefore they're just kind of ambivalent toward either of them in the sense Well, they have to become that way, particularly when they see both sides. Not Again, if we go back and we say pick up Aristotle's golden mean, Mm. (laughs) what political party are giving their public service the golden mean ever? (laughs) Now, because I'm progressive, I will argue that progressive normally gets closer, Mm -hmm. but not the progressive America that is so stuck in its ideological rut, not the Labour Party of Australia that sucked the neoliberal straw to the point where its brain went down the tube. Yeah. So we got problems in politics here, kids. Yeah, and, and we're not sitting here, I guess, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to bring this up today to just, you know, be defeated by the whole thing. And, and I, I really wanted to, you know, kind of, well, I don't want to come here and like bag Trump for the sake of it, but, uh, you know, we as a podcast and are not pro-Trump. We're, we're, we're probably, I think, decidedly anti-Trump, but I don't think we're pro-Biden. <laughs> no, we're, we're, please give us the least worst world we can have with the people who these parties pick. Yeah, which brings us back to a, a question that we raised, I think, in the 2019 election, which was, we don't vote people in anymore, we vote people, people out. out. Yeah, and this is, again, the US is having another election about voting someone out. Mm-hmm. And theirs is a bit different in as much as presidents Normally, well, you can't have been president before because you only get two terms. But this time, because this Trump could be his second term, in a sense, picking Biden is getting rid of Trump. Mm. And hopefully that's all Americans realise they're doing. Mm. You're not getting new, you're not getting creative, you're not getting amazing. The system's not built for that. Mm. The system is deliberately built to retard radical shifts in directional policy. Yep. The best it can do is not continue down a particular path but move slightly sideways. So the best that can happen out of this is goodbye to Trumpianism mm-hmm. and hello to getting nothing done in the normal traditional way, a la Clinton and Obama mm-hmm. extended. Biden, Obama, Jr. Yeah. Senior. Uh, <laughs> Grandpa Joe. Yeah. The problem, I guess, that I have, and I don't want to discourage anyone from voting for Biden, because if that's what it takes to no, take No, absolutely Trump vote. Out. Voting to get rid of someone who will do harm. Mm. You know, sometimes you don't know how much good can be achieved, mm-hmm. but you can see how to end the bad. Yes. Like junk food, you know? Stopping people from eating tons of it is sure. a good thing. Getting them to eat good food, that's difficult. Mm. So let's just stop them from eating junk food 24-7. Right, right. Politically, yeah. So myth, this yeah. is a bit like saying, you know, getting rid of Trump is like saying, let's not have adverts on TV between, say, 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. that make little kids want to eat junk food. Sure. We can't guarantee they won't, but let's just try and stop the world being any worse than it already is. Right. And then Biden would be like some kind of kid's cartoon that has no developmental or educational value. value. and doesn't teach you anything about eating your veggies. Yeah. Sure. It may have an obsession with, I don't know, something like blueberries or strawberries or something yummy to try and convince you to care. So I guess, you know, if we're stuck with this two-party system, I, again, I don't want to discourage people from voting for Biden, but my question is, is would he poison the water for future progressives within the democratic system? Or am I then assuming that someone who would be 
useful <laughs> and actually progressive might not ever make it through the okay. democratic system. It was interesting this morning, as usual, while I was doing my yoga practice, I had the BBC Global News podcast on. Mm. And one of the journos was in Pennsylvania, which is one of the really competitive states, Yeah, talking about how many young voters are. Yep, and the rust belt, right? Mm. Mm. So what they were basically saying is this is the first election where there are more Gen Y and and, and, and millennials. Okay. I think here in Australia we say what Y and Z, don't yeah. we? Yeah. Then there are boomers. And, you know, a huge number of young people are coming online and they talk to a heap of young people who were volunteering, you know, to help with, you know, Joe Biden's campaign. And they all said the same thing. I may not agree with Joe Biden, but we need to end Trump being in power mm-hmm. before things get even worse. So it seemed to me that a lot of these young people understood you still have a responsibility to stop the world from being worse, even if you're not sure you can make it much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because any extra decline you have now still has to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So end the decline at a minimum. Ending the decline is still an achievement. You know, if you've put one finger in the pencil sharpener, you don't want to put the other nine in. Mm, Only yeah. having one pointy finger is, you know, is bad. We but want to it, put it in those neoliberal terms where we have an increasing uh, social capital deficit. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So it seemed to me these young people were dealing really well with the fact that the first election they were going to ever vote in, they were ending something that was obviously causing harm with the hope that at least the world will stabilise, and there might be some tiny gains, but tiny gains are better than further decline. Mm. And with tiny gains, you open the possibility, and this sort of taps into the last podcast too, I got the sense with a lot of these young people that the journal was talking to, that what they hope is that if someone like Biden is in power, the party at least is receptive to going, okay, we managed to get power. Who got us here? Oh, the young. Oh, well, what do they want or need? Mm. Yeah, we've talked about this before on the podcast and just generally. My feeling is that people in power are more willing to be flexible because they want to stay in power. Mm. So that once Biden is in, the Democratic Party, I wonder, might be a little bit more willing to start heading towards generational change. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at, for instance, look at Scott Morrison this year. Yep. He has gone from zero bagging, to hero. Yeah, bagging the labor approach to the GFC to then effectively doing the exact same thing for yep. the COVID. But crisis. also, if we looked at how he handled the bushfires, mm. he looked like a cretin. Yep. At the end of this year, he's come out looking very good. Now, the fact they've also discovered reactionary Keynesianism, guess what? <laughs> it always works. Yeah. And if you modify it into MMT, it'll work even better. That's it. You know, it doesn't have to be just reactionary. No, um, but the point is, and that's this really interesting thing, they've become adaptable because they desperately want to maintain power. Mm-hmm. Where it seems to me the Labor Party is still just being a cranky opposition bound by dogma. Yeah, pretty much. So we'll have to make a decision at the next federal election. How willing to bend are the Liberals because they want to maintain power? Or has Labor finally realised it will have to change? Or do we have to get Labor in and then they'll want to keep power? So there's always subtle differences. But I think the thing that makes America harder to understand is voting for president is not voting for the parliament. Your mm-hmm. congressional elections are two years out of sync with presidential elections. Yep. And the system is so at loggerheads because we've had so many lame duck presidents where they don't have a majority in either house. So it doesn't matter what they want to do. 
in so many cases, they can veto things, but they can't make things happen. Mm. So, you know, there's even talk now, and I, I don't think it'll happen, but it'd be lovely if it did, that the Democrats, two years from now, could end up being the majority in both houses and having a, you know, a Democratic president. Now, that would be great at one level, but also if they were in such a good position, would they go, well, everything's fine with the machine? Why would we reform the machine? Mm. You, know, you need to have, have won enough to go, I like this. I don't want to lose this. How do we keep people on side? How do we get more people on side? Your politics is a popularity competition, mm. but it should be a popularity competition about the quality of ideas, ethics, and you know plans for the future. Yeah, well, they're, they're, they are literally moral guardians, right? Like a, a ministers. Well, like that, that's ideally what the Supreme Court should really be. Yeah. But when it's been made so conservative, how can it do that job? Mm. It's likely to be very moral in a very political way. Mm. But yeah, everyone needs to vote because at the very least you can stop things getting worse. Yes. So I guess our recommendation is that no matter which side you're wanting to vote on, because I guess that's depending on your political... I would imagine if you're listening to this, you're probably not... Pro-Trump. No, come on, we're, we're not going to have a large amount of Trumpian listeners, I don't think. We do have a large American following by comparison to other countries. Well, we'll so. see if that drops off. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really interesting, whether we've tapped into something that... We haven't even realised is a thing. Yeah. Anyway, the most important thing is going and enrolling to vote, because that, that's a massive impact in America, where it's not mandatory. Because yeah. you end up with something like 60%, and that's not very representative. Well, I saw something the other day. Uh, I think it was the ABC News headlines. It was a mid-30s, you know, 35-year-old basketball star. Mm. And for the first time he'd gone to enrol to vote. Yeah, wow. And I'm thinking, whoa, from an Australian perspective, that's so weird. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's what you're dealing with. So this guy's, a, you know, a multi-millionaire from playing sport but has been totally and utterly removed from politics. Mm. Sees no, sees that he has no role as a citizen to participate in this until now. And I imagine that Black Lives Matter has probably impacted that. I'm just assuming. I would assume so. You know, the way that that has been talked about within US sport. Mm. And that, yeah, how broad a perspective that person will take to the first vote they make. Yeah. But but they're turning up to vote. That's Mm. still better than not, in my opinion. Mm. Being a citizen means you have to take some responsibility for the end point. Otherwise, you know, what was the point of working so hard to build democracies? Well, yeah. And to maintain them. Yeah. Well, given all that, I'm still wary that even if Biden were to get in, I'm just not sure that things will change or adapt fast enough that we could even prevent them sliding down the power scale. On the, I don't know. I mean, they've got a massive military. But I my my classic statement for 2020 has been that all but militarily, America is a third world country. Yeah, in so many significant ways. So yep. it brings that question back to collapse of civilizations. <laughs> it's kind of that adapt or die thing, right? <laughs> yeah, but then at some level we also have to acknowledge that there's an old, white, privileged America mm. that comes from a different time where they dominated because they were so powerful. Mm. And that people will not accept that level of domination anymore. No. And a lot of young people don't want to be part of dominating like that. Mm. So whatever the US is going to become, it has to become something else. It's like the argument I've made in class to multiple classes. I'm looking forward to the day where we have a prime minister whose family come from Afghanistan or South Sudan, Mm. who came to Australia, saw this amazing place of opportunity and were the part of building an even more inclusive, progressive and effective democracy. Mm. And that we've become something that we're not yet. We're also, there is a shift going on here too from 
white privilege and it's all really Anglo-Saxon with add-ons mm. to maybe Australia's identity becoming something more. Mm-hmm. And that more will be, I think, and I hope, more adaptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, hey, I'm a white male. I should be afraid of this new world, but I actually think this new world will be more inclusive and more able to adapt because it will take more people's opinions into mind and it expects less and is willing to put in a bit more, I hope. The nice thing about that would be just not arguing about the same old crap over and over again. That would be nice. Yeah. New perspectives means <laughs> different discussions. That's kind of interesting. So I'm excited about it from that perspective, uh, if not and others, yeah. Yeah, or at least there'll be new voices, which means maybe new ideas. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing. Yeah. Right, well, a rather glim look, I guess, but also it, I shared a quote on Facebook the other day from Antonio Gramsci. Mm, it was cool. Yeah, the challenge of modernity is to live without illusions and without becoming disillusioned. I am a pessimist because of intellect, but an optimist because of will. Yep. So we know things are probably going to get bad, but you just have to will your way into... They'll get bad unless you halt the decline and then try and turn it around. Right. But I guess the, the pessimism is that on an individual basis, I'm sure people feel powerless in... But if everyone has that perspective of will. Well, again, there's part of my thing here where my one of my Romanian mm. students once called me a cynical optimist. Yeah. And, and that's my thing. I find it hard to understand how pessimists get stuck in their cycle because there's so much good in the world. It's just normally on a micro scale. It's all around us. Mm. But the negativity is winning at the moment. Mm. So work out a way to bring all the good bits together and at least halt the decline to start. So we go from there because that's going to get more people on board potentially I like that it's a good t- good tagline America halt the decline yep. well now Sleepy Joe had said that and looked awake <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean you know that's before he got interrupted a, a thousand times anyway whatever <laughs> alright thank you very much for that David thank you Tim thank you audience and remember you're a citizen vote hello listeners If you're enjoying our podcast, please subscribe and like our Facebook page. Search for Blind Insights with David Olney. Also, don't forget that we have merchandise. Thank you to the OzCast Network. Peace out. Listener.